Hello my lovelies and welcome to another episode of Primed for Crime. I am your host Liv and I'm very excited to have you here and hope you enjoy today's case. Now today's case is about a young schoolgirl named Asha Degri who seemed to have walked out of her house in the middle of the night and was never seen again. Now there are multiple witnesses who saw the young girl walking up the highway but nobody really knows what happened or why she left or even where she is now. Before we get into the case though I just want to state that everything I talk about today is just information I have found online and I mean no disrespect to anybody involved or mentioned and today's episode doesn't necessarily have a trigger warning of such but we are talking about a young child that has gone missing so if this is something that you're not comfortable listening to then please feel free to click out of this podcast. So let's begin. This is the disappearance of Asha Degri. Asha Degri was born in 1990 to her parents, Harold and Equella. They also had another child. They had a son named O'Brien, who was born a year earlier than Asha. The Degrees raised both of their children in their house on Oak Crest Drive in a residential subdivision amidst a kind of generally rural area north of Shelby, North Carolina on the western edge of the Charlotte metropolitan area. They both worked regular jobs nearby and it wasn't unusual for the children to let themselves in the house after school. You know, it's a common thing in their household and their parents would usually expect to walk in, you know, finding them doing their homework by the time they were home. Like, these kids could be trusted. They trusted their kids and they didn't have a problem with their children doing this. They were both really good kids and their parents always kind of made sure that their children were isolated, not isolated, but, you know, from like the outside world or outside influences. They had a life that kind of centred around their extended family, their church and school. I mean, in fact, the Degrees didn't even have a computer in the house, um, which isn't a bad thing at all. And in 2013, there was an interview with Aquella and she recalled, quote, Every time you turned on the TV, there was some paedophile who had lured somebody's child away via the internet, end quote. And apparently Asha handled this well, you know, she was cautious and shy and pretty content mostly to stay within the limits her parents had set. Her mother also said, quote, she was scared to death of dogs. I never thought she would go out of the house, end quote. Asha was in fourth grade at nearby Falston Elementary School and on the second week of February 2000 she was excited to have a three-day weekend which honestly completely agree. (laughs) Anytime we got to have a day off school it just felt like the best feeling in the world. So on Friday the 11th, the Cleveland County schools were all closed but whilst her parents still had to go to work, the children spent the day at their aunt's house located in the same neighbourhood. The following day, Asha's basketball team, on which she was a star point guard, lost its first game of the season and Asha had fouled out and her parents recalled that she was 
kind of somewhat upset about this. She was crying, you know, with her other teammates afterwards. But she seemed to have gotten over it and watched her brother's game afterwards. And you know, at that age, when something like that happens, it can be emotional, especially within a team. So it's now Sunday the 13th of February when the children went to church from a relative's house and then returned home. Around 8pm that night, both of the children went to bed in the room that they shared and almost an hour later the power went out in the neighbourhood after a nearby car accident. But it eventually came back on at about 12.30am at which time Harold checked on his children and saw both Asher and O'Brien asleep in their beds. He again checked shortly before he went to bed at 2.30am on February 14th and again saw them both in bed. Just a little while later, O'Brien, who was then aged 10, recalls hearing Asher's bed squeak, but, you know, he didn't think too much of it. He just assumed that she might have been moving positions in her sleep. And this is around the time that people seemed to think that Asher had got out of bed, taking a book bag that she'd previously packed with several sets of clothes and personal items and left the house. Between 3.45 and 4.15am, a truck driver and a motorist saw her walking south along Highway 18, wearing a long-sleeved white t-shirt and white pants, just north of its junction with Highway, Highway 180. They reported this to the police after seeing a TV report about her disappearance. And again, I mean, if it's that late at night, early morning, and you're seeing a literal child walking along the highway, surely you'd kind of think, hmm, that's not right. And (laughs) the motorist did because he turned his car around because he, you know, thought, that is such a small child, you know, why would she be out by herself at that hour? Thank God. And he actually circled three times and saw Asher run into the woods by the roadside and just disappear. And, you know, it was a rainy night. It was kind of very stormy when this man saw her. And County Sheriff Dan Crawford said, quote, We're pretty sure it was her because the descriptions they gave are consistent with what we know she was wearing, end quote. And he also added that they also saw her in the same place, heading in the same direction. Asher's mum woke at 5.45am to get the children ready for school. It was the morning of February 14th, which was an important day since it was not only Valentine's Day, but also the Degrees' wedding anniversary. And this involved getting a bath ready for them because they'd not been able to take one the night before due to the power being out. So when she opened the children's rooms to wake them before their alarm went off, She could see that O'Brien was in bed, but she looked at Asher's bed and she couldn't see her. She wasn't in her bed. She looked around the house, she looked in the garage, the family cars, and she still was nowhere to be found. So obviously alarm bells were ringing. So she went straight to Harold and said, you know, our daughter is not here. And he suggested that Asher might have gone over to his mother's house across the street. But when Aquila called there, her sister-in-law said, no, Asher's not there. And that's when she went into full panic mode. She heard a car next door and she just put on her shoes and ran outside. 
and Aquila calls her mother who told her look you know you need to call the police because you know time is off the essence we don't know where she is and we don't know when she went missing so by 6 40 a.m the first police officers had arrived on the scene police dogs were also called to the scene but unfortunately they couldn't pick up Asher's scent Aquila went through the neighborhood just screaming Asher's name which she said had wake like woken up everybody by about 7 a.m she was just absolutely frantic and you know friends family and the neighbors they all just cancelled their plans for the day to help assist the police and the family in searching you know the surrounding areas while the pastor of their church along with the area clergyman came to the degrees home to support them and by the day's end, all that had been found was a mitten, which Iquella Degree said did not belong to her daughter, noting that no winter clothing had been taken from the house. Local news coverage prompted the two drivers who had seen Asha walking along the road early that morning, including the one whose attempt to approach her apparently kind of startled Asha and, you know, she fled into the woods. And, you know, they prompted them to report these sightings to the police. On February 15th, candy wrappers were found in a shed at a nearby business along the highway. It was kind of near where Asher had been seen running into the woods. And along with them were a pencil, a marker and a Mickey Mouse shaped hair bow that were identified as belonging to Asher. There was also a photograph that was found of a black girl around Asher's age who was yet to be identified. They're not quite sure who this young girl was. And it was kind of the only trace of her kind of during the initial search. This was all they had to go off. And it just must have been so disheartening. Just a day later, on February 16th, Aquila realised that Asher's bedroom was missing her absolute favourite clothing, including a pair of blue jeans with a red stripe. So again, it's kind of, did she take all of her things and go? You know, her favourite clothes are missing that shouldn't be. It's all just not adding up. It's really not making sense to the family, to the police, or anybody. And just a week later, the search was actually called off after, you know, like, I think something like 9,000 man hours had been invested in this search of like a two to three mile radius of where she had last been seen. You know, there were flyers posted everywhere and 300 leads had been submitted that ranged from possible sightings to tips about abandoned houses and wells where Asher might have ended up. County Sheriff Dan Crawford at a news conference said, quote, We have never really had that first good substantial lead, end quote. And he desperately urged the media to keep this story alive. You know, you see it in so many cases where, you know, it just kind of, the case fizzles out after like two weeks and, you know, it just kind of leaves people's minds, people just kind of, forget about it and in a case like this it's so essential that that coverage is there and this young girl has the best possible chance of getting out of wherever she is alive it's so important to keep that flame 
At the news conference on February 22nd, 2000, Crawford said that he was going long range with the search for Asher and both the FBI and North Carolina's State Bureau of Investigation got involved and put her on the database for missing children. So, you know, whilst the agencies were done searching in the area of her home and route, they were just kind of following everything they possibly could. So, from Aquila's account of what Asha had taken with her, the investigators believed that she had planned and prepared for this departure over several days preceding her disappearance. But she's not your typical runaway. There was kind of no known reason why Asha would run away. And don't forget, she is a young girl. She is in fourth grade. It's not the typical runaway that you normally hear about. And another expert um, of the National Centre for Missing and Exploited Children noted that most children who run away are at least 12. And FBI agent also pointed to the lack of an issue she might have been running away from, such as maybe dysfunctional family problems or poor academic performance. But Still, the investigators believed that this was the most likely explanation for her running away. But for some reason, she either got off track or was abducted. I mean, I know when you're young, I've done it multiple times. You get frustrated with your parents or something. You say, oh, that's it, I'm running away. You pack a little bag and like walk to the end of the drive and then sit there and come back maybe, you know, 20 minutes later. But Asha didn't come back. So, again, it's just leading to nowhere. But the media attention went national. And a month after Asha's disappearance, the whole Degree family appeared on the Montel Williams show to call attention to this case. There was also America's Most Wanted and the Oprah Winfrey show. Also you know, devoted segments of their programmes to finding Asha. On August 3rd, 2001, Asha's book bag and other items were discovered during a construction project off of Highway 18 in Burke County. And this was about 26 miles north of Shelby. It was wrapped in a plastic bag and the worker who found it said the book bag contained Asher's name and phone number. The FBI took it to their headquarters for further forensic analysis and the results from that testing have not been shared publicly. And to date, it is the last evidence found in this case. On the 20th anniversary of Asher's disappearance, the FBI did confirm that the book bag contained a copy of Dr. Zeus's Megaliot's Pool and a t-shirt depicting the band New Kids on the Block. Neither appeared to have been her property before they were found in her book bag and the book was from the library at her elementary school. The Degrees took steps to keep Asher's memory and the case in the public's mind. So in 2008, they established a scholarship in her name for a deserving local student and also host an annual walk to raise awareness and money to fund their search. 
The walk starts at their home and ends at a missing persons billboard for Asher along Highway 18, near where she was last seen. It was originally held on February 14th, but it was changed to February 7th in 2015 and February 6th in 2016, as Harold and Iquella felt it wasn't fair to participants to make Valentine's Day such a sombre occasion. Pictures of Asher, both real and those showing her as she might appear in later years, created by investigators to help the search, still just are all over the Degree house and you know it must be so hard for her mother and her mum actually said quote I fully expect her to just walk through the door you know she's just it doesn't seem real even though it's been so long it must be absolutely heart-wrenching I honestly could not even imagine the emotions that that family must be going through In a 2013 interview, Aquila said that her daughter's disappearance had not gotten as much media attention over the years as some other cases of missing children because Asher was black. She said, quote, Missing white children get more attention. I don't understand why. I know if you ask them, they will say it's not racial, but oh really? I'm not going to argue because I have common sense. And you know, I agree with her. There are so many instances time and time again where this happens. And there's actually been a US study found that white children represented 54% of missing children cases examined in a study, but they made up 88% of media references. And African-American children made up 35% of the cases, but only received 7% of media references. Which is crazy to me. Absolutely crazy. A child is a child. It doesn't matter what skin colour they have. The police, everybody involved, should be doing everything they can to find that child. It's a child. And that goes for adults as well. It's exactly the same and it really makes me quite angry. It really, really does. In February 2015, the FBI announced that FBI agents, Cleveland County Sheriff Office investigators and the State Bureau of Investigation agents were re-examining the case and re-interviewing witnesses. They also announced a reward of up to $25,000 for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the person or persons responsible for her disappearance. There is also another community group that is offering an additional $20,000 reward. The FBI announced 15 months later in May 2016 that their reinvestigation of the case had turned up a possible new lead. They disclosed that Asher may have been seen getting into a dark green early 1970s Lincoln Continental Mark IV or possibly a Ford Thunderbird from the same era, along Route 18 near where she was last seen later that night. It was described as having rust around the well of its wheels. In September 2017, the FBI announced that its Child Abduction Rapid Deployment Team was in Cleveland County to assist in the investigation and, quote, 
provide on-the-ground investigative, technical and behavioural analysis and an analytical support to find out more about what happened to Asher, end quote. Sorry, that was a bit of a mouthful. But this team basically worked alongside the FBI Charlotte employees, the Cleveland County Sheriff's Office and the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation agents for 10 days. The agencies also meet several times a month to go over the latest on the investigation and since September 2017, local agents and investigators have conducted approximately 300 interviews. In October 2018, the Cleveland County Sheriff's Office detectives appealed for information from the public about the two items of interest that were found in Asher's book bag. The Dr. Zeus book and the t-shirt that says New Kids on the Block. And, you know, investigators have said that these items are vital clues. So, you know, hopefully somebody might recognise it or know something about it. But in, so the last part of this case is 2020 actually, November 2020. So there was an inmate incarcerated named Marcus Mellon and he was convicted of sex crimes against children in 2014. Now he wrote a letter to the Shelby Star claiming that Asher was murdered and he knows where to find her. But in February 2021, Cleveland County Sheriff Alan Norman announced that Mellon's claims had led to another dead end, which is frustrating because, you know, all that time looking into what this man had said could have been used elsewhere to more promising leads. Obviously, I understand they've got to kind of investigate everything and, you know, if they hadn't and then it turns out that he he was telling the truth, then obviously, big mistake, but it frustrates me when people kind of start lying about stuff like that. Why would you lie about something like that? It's just disgusting, honestly. Um, But that does conclude today's episode. That is everything up to date. And it's really one of them cases that just breaks your heart, honestly, to think that that little girl you know what happened why did she leave the house did somebody lure her out the house had she had she planned to run away or had she planned to run away and then something else happened more sinister I just we don't know and it's really sad and I really do feel for all her family and friends everybody involved and kind of at the center of this it must be so difficult and I really hope that you know, as technology moves on and, you know, we see cases quite often now where they get solved after so many years. So I really hope that this is one of them cases and if there's any kind of petitions or charities, I'm going to link them all in the description below. So please check it out, see if there's anything you can do or if you know anything about this case, I know quite a lot of my listeners are in America. Obviously, I know it's a huge place, but, you know, if you do happen to know anything, please don't hesitate to contact. It is so important, and I really hope that Asha and her family do finally get the justice that they deserve. So that is everything from me today. I will see you back for another mini-episode this week. Please um, 
head over to the TikTok. I know I say this every episode, but there is a TikTok and I try and post daily. Um, I have actually, funny but not funny, I uploaded a trailer to TikTok and apparently it violated guidelines and I think it's because it had fake blood in it, but it got taken down for some not very nice reasons. Um, so my account is actually on warning. So I'm kind of um, laying low for a little bit um, because I don't want to get banned or you know suspended or whatever. So I am laying low a little bit, but there is plenty to look at. And there is a new trailer up that is perfectly fine. Um, I just literally took out the fake blood. Um, so go ahead, check it out, um, like and follow, comment and also leave a review for this podcast if you are enjoying because I have realised that I don't actually, I don't have any reviews <laughs> um, and I know there's a lot of you listening so if you do have the time I'd really, really appreciate it, it'd really help me out a lot. So yes, I will see you for another mini episode, I'll see you on TikTok and yeah, that's me for now. I'll see you later.